Welcome to the Heart of Soul podcast, an exploration of who you are, what you are, and why you are, offering new ways to investigate age-old questions at the heart of you. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul podcast. In today's episode, the psycho-spirituality of relationality. Say that three times fast. How your first mate is God, your second, yourself, your third, your passion path, and your fourth mate, your partner. We'll be unpacking and exploring what that means, I promise. We also present one of the most practical aspects of identity, spacer types, which is every bit as valuable as astrology, the Enneagram, and other kinds of typing systems, you're gonna like that, and critical for healing emotional wounds as we'll explore and explicate. In addition, we cover some non-cisgender yin and yang dynamics, which is pretty fascinating. It's a very dense episode. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. I remind you as always to please listen to this podcast from the beginning and in order. Thanks so much for listening. Well, welcome forward listeners and thank you as always, Stace Barron for being here. This is episode 23, which is my lucky number. And mm. um, yeah, so that's cool. Um, uh, we're going to lead with, uh, as promised, we're going to get into me spacer, we spacer. I think we promised that last time and non cisgender yin and yang dynamics. But first context is always first. And Stace wanted to talk about the relationality of spirituality, which is probably going to be the title of this episode. Where do we start uh, with that? Well, it's funny. You, now that you just say that Joseph, it, it could be come from either side, the relationality of spirituality or the spirituality of relationality. Oh, that, oh that's super cool. <laughs> and they would be like a Venn diagram. There'd be an overlap, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, because relationality, uh, spirituality without relationality is, um, well, what can we say? Narcissistic. <laughs> so, uh, but we'll start with spirituality, uh, um, uh, uh, the spirituality of relationality. That's, that's a little better doorway for today, maybe. Uh -huh. Okay. Uh -huh. Okay. So um, we'll start off with a fairly uh, um, confrontive uh, uh, offering by identity. And that is that uh, I'll just state it out here and then we'll play with it for a bit. My first relative relationality, and we're, we've been talking about intimate relationality uh, for the last few uh, specifically. Yeah. So I'm going to reference that um, in one sense and help me um, uh, deconstruct this, Joseph. Uh, um, my first mate, and I'm doing little Quigley's um, uh, air quotes, uh, air quotes. Yes. Uh, thank you. Um, my first mate is God. My second mate is myself. My third mate is my passion path. And my fourth mate, if I've set it up that way or get lucky in the world of God, if that lucky is possible, uh, my fourth mate is uh, possibly a partner. Now, that's a very um, uh, uh, um, difficult to explain easily um, offering mm -hmm. because what the first thing that we have to understand about it uh, and it's just an offering by identity is that you've got to take relationship relationality seriously seriously to get any of the um, things that we're going to talk about today as applicable to your life if you're um, 
if you're a polyamorous uh, person uh, or someone under the age of 30, um, have at it, as we've said, go for whatever you need to do relative to um, second chakra um, activity that might not include fourth chakra activity or at least not intimate, really intimate fourth chakra activity. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the, that that's not taking relationality very seriously. Anyone under the th under thirty should be experimenting and exploring without any shoulds or um, or whatevers um, or if onlys. Um, but if you're in, a, in an older soul, a middle to aged older soul, um, and and you realize you've been around the block enough that uh, it's time to take uh, intimacy and uh, the intimate form of relationality seriously. It, you can't blow it off when it doesn't work. You can't um, tentatively dip your uh, your toe in it. You've got to be willing to jump all the way into it and um, and 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 milk it if we can use that term. There's <laughs> also it. the dipping the toe. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> milk it of all of it that it has to offer us. Because until you take uh, relationality um, seriously enough to be monogamous. You are going to be dancing around the um, campfire uh, in, at some distance from the heat and light of it, but you will never stick your hands in your body into the fire and let relationality cleanse you. Purified um, by the fire of it. Yeah, yeah. illuminate first and then literally mm. burn, help burn away um, aspects of you that, that are inevitably projected into our intimate relationality. Uh, there's no part of us that is um, f is uh, above being purified by this the amazing um, power of monogamous committed relationality. And of course, identity is not the only uh, paradigm that's set, that talks this way, but it does. It's not about uh, as as Western religion is always taught. Um, you know. Uh, uh, Minimum of lust, maximum of making babies, and uh, you stay married for life. Uh, <laughs> Which and, is kind of a contradiction, well, isn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, isn't that, isn't that something? Yes. Uh, no, it's, it's about uh, the whole fiber of our personal being and divinity being included in our monogamally committed relationships. So if my first mate is God. These, these, this statement, I'll complete this here in a moment. Uh, mm -hmm. Because the, our first mate is God, that that implies that uh, without that, if I don't have my first mate as God, my second mate as myself, my third mate as my passion path, my partner, if I draw one, like a serious one, is going to be my God, <laughs> right? Uh -huh. uh, my my um, uh, my passion path is going to be limited. Um, my uh, got my uh, may I'll never know who I really am, and my God will be in limitedly inaccessible. Well, I think you so, just uh, sliced the metaphysics of the architecture of codependence, right? The architecture uh, of codependence is you make your false God, your first false God, your partner, which yeah. stops you from encountering the real God, stops you from getting to know yourself all the way. And how exactly it's intuitive makes intuitive sense that it would stop your passion path expression but how how exactly does that work well um your passion path will become your god if you don't have god also 
and and that's that's a little more um, reasonably uh, you got some room room there some wiggle room yeah but when people make their passion path um, their god because they don't have a contextual relationship with divinity themselves then there's all sorts of room for um, uh, distortion greed um, narcissism over attachment all the things that um, are uh, are are healed away in a relationship with divinity so the 90 percent of the planet of course uh, is um, is in younger stages and um, and don't aren't qualified to hold themselves to all, all of these principles we'll talk about today but these are for people who want some guidelines mm -hmm. uh, how to take relationships seriously. So in that sense, um, there's a couple of contexts. We, I want to remind listeners that um, from identity's point of view, um, uh, intimate relationality is the closest thing we've got. Adult, um, committed relationship intimacy is the closest thing we've got to recapitulate the closeness that um, we had with our first relators, our parents. Okay, wait, before we go down that road, though, are, we, are you moving away from this f f once, one, two, three, four thing? Because I got a, a more, at least one more question about it. <laughs> oh, go ahead. I was going to circle around back to it, but go okay. ahead before, so we don't forget it. God is obviously, reality is the ultimate context to me. It would have to be inside that reality. Self, that makes sense because there is no uh, healthy matum if I'm not connected to myself. But I'm imagining if I told my partner that my work was more important than my relationship with them, they might not like that so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, that's a great question. We have to remember the context here, um, the context of the of the previous term. Let me try. Because... Let me try. Let me make an attempt to explain it and tell okay. me if this is right. right. My passion path is an expression of me. Yes. So that has to be before you if i'm not expressing my passion path oh then i'll make you my passion path Correct. i'll need you too much and that collapses us into codependence okay exactly right makes sense yeah it's not i wouldn't use the the words more important um you yeah. could i guess but it's uh passion path and getting and and well the let, let's de, let's decode it here each term then that that'll make even make more sense here before mm -hmm. we leave it my first mate is god um, we're children of God first. Our, uh, there is a, um, a, a, a God I at the root of our soul I. And so if I don't start from my essential being, which um, uh, emanates out of divinity and I have an active relationship with it, it's part of my life like a companion, then everything else is going to be a, um, a, a false idol in some way, including myself. If you don't have a narcissist or, or a, um, uh, a psychopath, um, as there are so many nowadays in politics. Or an Ayn Randian hero makes an a false Randian. god of self in the in mind. Exactly. Mm -hmm. then, then that is going to be some form of narcissism because you're bypassing your root I. Uh, uh, establishing a relationship with your God I is, um, is not part of self-actualization. Uh, from uh, 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 Tony Robbins is not going to teach you how to do that. No, and yeah. neither would um, Maslow. Yeah. Um, so uh, 
the, 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 your God, the reason your first mate is God is because we're progeny of God. That's, that's, that's just the way it is. And that's, um, that starts with we're co-authoring our life rather than the self-empowerment paradigms would say you're the author of your life. That makes you a false God because there's no God exactly. there. Yeah. Yeah. And we're exactly right. And without that meta context, you'll have no way to calibrate whether you're on path for your a destiny yeah especially in your partner domain um uh, uh if i i've always been aware of how to cal how to walk my destiny i know when i'm off it and i know when i'm on it my a destiny which is another whole topic yeah. we've got abc destinies and but when it comes to a partner an intimate partner that you're taking seriously they're part of your destiny path or not and if you can't calibrate your destiny path you won't be able to calibrate whether that person is helpful or harmful to your destiny path yeah. you see so this god context is so under under um appreciated for how important all the downline things it allows you to um to be able to do Mm -hmm. So, um, if you, if the second mate is myself, that's sexual, se sexual. So, that's let me just say one more thing. The first, second, third, that's actually the ontological order, not yes. though, not stack ranking the importance. They're all important, but yes, the, the structural ontological order is God, self, passion, path, mate, especially Thanks. for men who tend not to meet their uh, soulmates until they have their passion path as according to identity. <laughs> Yes, for that reason. Well, yeah, nice re re reframe there. I I've come from that so naturally. I don't think to name yeah. it. Uh, yeah. It's an ontological um, uh, um, meta meta to content um, uh, array. There, not the most important. They're all important mm -hmm. uh, relatively. So, yeah, that's good. Thanks, Joseph. And all so, interdependent too. You know, interdependent. Like right. Uh, the the uh, especially for uh, you know the identity teaches that. Um, the man very often needs to find his passion path first before he finds his uh, soulmate. Um, but then the uh, relationship with the soulmate fleshes out and fills out the passion path. So it, it can go in the other order too. Uh, it goes back the other way. Uh, uh, where they, the relationality with other changes your relationship with God, right? It goes all yes. the way back the other way. That's really cool. I'm not sure... Um... Uh, Betty Friedan uh, or um, Gloria Steinem would agree with oh, that only, only men need to uh, find their passion path first because uh, th th that's an interesting thing we should get into actually yeah. also mm -hmm. right but um, and so so in terms of the the my first mate is my next mate is my, my second mate is myself that's to self-actualize in Maslow if you're a younger soul and self-authenticate emotively self-authenticate in, uh, for older souls, um, and there's processes for to do both of those. Uh, identity offers the self, emotively self authentication path, of course. Uh, my my third mate is my passion path. Without self actualized, if you're a younger soul or uh, self authenticated emotively, in a, um, as an older soul, your passion path, uh, in the very least, even if you find it, your relationship to it mm -hmm. is going to be a narcotic mm -hmm. to give yourself value in some way mm -hmm. and it's so that's really important point you a lot of people find their passion path but their relationship to it is going to be by default neurotic 
until they self-authenticate on the inside first, yeah. which is a hugely helped by a relationship with divinity. Same way you can have a very problematic codependent relationship with a soulmate. Just because you found them in content doesn't mean in context that it's uh, healthy. Exactly. Our passion path as the next term is what we were born to do um, and give to ourselves and to the planet. In other words, every if you have a spiritual context, if God is the first term, divinity is the first term, then your being, your consciousness will relate to your passion path in some manner of wanting to make the earth um, a better place uh, after you leave than the, how you found it um, automatically. So even if Bill Gates uh, doesn't have a personal uh, relationship with divinity and knows his destiny and can read out his incarnational imperatives um, his relationship to his his passion path and by some in some way is going to be self-aggrandizing and not necessarily not necessarily leaving the earth a better place than he found it uh. um, because there are some of his orientations that are definitely in the shadows mm -hmm. about his motives for doing so much good for the planet mm -hmm. and that's re easily read outable if um yeah, that's another. You don't have time. to be a conspiracy theorist to oh, pick, no. pick those flavors up. No, uh, they're right there if you've got the right sensibilities. Mm -hmm. And so that puts, uh, if you've, you've established a relationship with your source being, which is part of you and it's your part of it, uh, divinity is your source being, you've, um, you've self-actualized or you've self emotively self-authenticated, and you've um, you've found or cultivated or it has found you in most cases passion path finds you you don't find it you don't create it it's a it's a, it's a really interesting dynamic if all those are in order well congratulations from identity's point of view you're qualified minimally <laughs> if you to um, to uh, learn how to be uh, a share your god eye your personal eye your passion path and your partner all in one gestalt. Uh, so that's, I was, that's what that's what I was going to come around to circle with. But okay. that's the that's the meta context, Joseph. Uh, thanks for making putting it here because it actually makes more sense. Mm -hmm. That context informs all of the opinions we have about intimate relationship. So if you don't get that kind of meta context and just isolate some of our pictures or some of our opinions or offerings about intimate relationality, uh, you'll not get the bigger picture and why we hold and offer these uh, these understandings and these offerings. Yeah, you know, there's a, a thought I had recently um, reflecting on the uh, immense challenges and triumphs in my own relationship and the cycle of that again and again and again is how deep the conditioning we have about romantic partners as, you know, they solve all your problems and you live happily ever after. You know, that's mm -hmm. like we're that's conditioned into us so deeply such that um, as contrasted to um, the spirituality of relationality, which I think we talked a little bit about before uh, insofar as like, actually, yeah, this person's going to be the um, make all your dreams and then some come true and also going to bring you your worst nightmares uh, and that that and and I, I just noticed so much that the the loss if I lose the frame of the spirituality of relationality 
and yes. the psychotherapy of relationality, we could say, on yes. top of that. The, yes. the psychospirituality of relationality, yes. right? I, if I go. lose that frame, then I'm immediately playing victim to this person's not making me happy in this moment. Yes. And then the whole thing collapses. Like, there's nothing, if you're in a difficult <laughs> spot and yeah. you don't have that frame, I, I, you, you know, then you're fighting against it. Then, then you're in control land because you need them or the situation to change instead of, in, because it can't be your teacher anymore, which is what it actually is. Yes. The spirituality of relationality most succinctly is exactly that. As you say, Joseph, it's, it's, um, it, it is your deepest, most profound and challenging mirror. Mm -hmm. uh, without it, um, you're flying blind about a lot of your unconscious processes that get, get kicked up in intimate relationality. Um, and so without, without intimate relationality to kick up what you're, what you're unconscious of, which, sorry, identity offers 70% of our consciousness is uh, unconscious to us, two-thirds at least. Uh, we're only the tip of the iceberg in our conscious uh, 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 realities of our realities. So that's why this makes relationality, intimate relation, the spirituality of relationality so, um, so important um, and such a, a, a gift that we have where connection with other, especially intimate connection, is the best reflector of both our wounds and our strengths and our wounds. In fact, I, I, I've done dozens and dozens and dozens of weddings in my life and have written um, a little thing uh, uh, into the, the vow system uh, that's offered before they say their personal vows. And that is um, you promised to bring the, both the best and the worst of you mm -hmm. to the bond. That's in identity's picture of commitment ceremony. You bring the best and the worst, which is why we say so often, Intimate relationality is a train wreck made in heaven. And with, uh, without that frame, the way most people unconsciously hold it is, I promise to try to bring the best and to try to hide the worst, which will erode my ability to bring the best. And we'll see how that goes. That's where most people live. That is, so. That if, if you're a, a listener and just got profoundly depressed... Uh, <laughs> At what Joseph just said, you should. Um, I've lived it, yeah. Yeah, and we all have. Whether if we're self-honest enough to um, admit that, that if you if you promise to bring the best and try to hide or suppress the worst because you're afraid the person will leave you yeah. if you show your your worst, well, you're in a you're in a, a half-baked relationship. Uh, you will never get the gifts that relationship intimate relationship wants to give you um, in the bigger picture. So you, you can't pick and choose uh, what you're going to be close with. It has to be everything or nothing. Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. Unfortunately for our defense systems. Yes. Or fortunately for them, but they don't uh, necessarily like it. Yeah, that's right. I so my protections, like anyone else's, uh, have recoiled at uh, being willing to show the worst. But um, relationship is so magical; it will force it out of me, uh, no matter what. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. So um, let's let's hook this up now uh, to the next step of it, um, and we'll get to me spacers, we spacers, and some um, yin and yang with LGBTQ maybe, mm -hmm. um, because it's all all pretty succinct. We built on it. we can build on what we've already offered. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got to remind ourselves that um, intimate relationality is the um, closest 
relational bandwidth uh, to uh, what we experience with our, our first teachers of what relationality is our parents. In other words, the closeness that a child feels, it's dependent, it's dependent on the parents for food, shelter, clothing, health, um, schooling, everything. That dependency binds the child uh, uh, irrevocably to the parent in some deep degree that, that they can't, a child cannot abrogate, can't put seams in that. It's a total uh, submersion or immersion into relationality with the parent. They have no choice. I mean, there's no there's no choice involved. Yeah. Later on as an adult, you can put people or intimate partners at arm's length if you so choose, but in, child, in childhood, you can't. And, and identity offers that the most golden, wonderful gift of relationality, which can turn into nightmares, is that, um, uh, 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 when you go all, when you put two and two second chakra and fourth chakra together, uh, you are recapitulating to some degree. It's at least resonative, seventy percent resonative, with the feeling as a child. Um, not that you're locked in and can't choose your way out. It's more subtle than that. You can choose your way out, um, but uh, 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 what you call to yourself by intimate relationality and how you operate in intimate relationality is going to be directly related to wounds in childhood that never got healed. Uh, that's saying a lot. In other words, we're not really qualified to do the spirituality of relationality until we've done the priors, the, the, the second step of making ourselves our first mates, meaning we've got to learn to We've got to connect to ourselves, learn to connect to our deepest, most soulfully authentic aspect of ourselves before we're more fully qualified to exchange that self with another being. Mm -hmm. But you can't, Without of course, do all of it because um, when you meet a mate, you find all sorts of stuff that you couldn't get to before. So. There's exactly. a minimal level to. There's a minimum. Yeah, you've got to. You've got to get shake hands with yourself uh, equally, men and women, uh, whatever gender, young, yin, yin, yan, uh, yang, yin, yang, uh, yin uh, dynamics are operating with you. Uh, you've got to shake hands and embrace yourself, and make at least make an effort in your self actualization or self authentication path to to know to explore what's unconscious to you. That will hit a certain um, uh, a ceiling for people, and it's that ceiling moment. Why, as a as a reader of uh, destinies, uh, as part of my um, uh, uh, skill set, uh, you know a person has ceilinged out in their personal growth uh, 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 until they call a re an intimate relationship partner to them if they have that dialed in for that life. Mm -hmm. So again, you cannot divorce an identity's offering. You can't divorce. You can't behave your way to better ex, uh, ex, um, uh, uh, relationships. Uh, you can't um, uh, um, uh, choose to uh, have a better relationship with a person. You've got to emotify your way to a, a deeper, more honest and authentic relationship. So once that gets in play, um, we're off to the races. So that's where it comes in here now about me spacers and we spacers, which um, in the past, uh, several people who have gotten what identity offers in this domain of the roles we play uh, in the way how we relate, uh, in, especially in intimate partnerships, um, 
is just as important as Enneagram. Enneagram points. Yeah. Um, um, uh, 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 the um, astrological uh, signs. Astrological signs. Uh, uh, it's, it's, it's a beautiful way to incorporate. It's just as important. It's an imprimatur of the role that you're going to play in intimate relationship determined by unconscious wounds from childhood. So let's map and it out. I have here. to say, me spacer, the spacer types are one of those things in identity where it's like, if that was the only thing that identity taught, it would be enough. It's that freaking good. And it should be taught in, you know, every uh, psych 101 class in college, much, much less uh, in therapeutic trainings. It's, you can't work with anyone without knowing their spacer type. Same way you, you can't, same with any RAM type, you know, that people don't know this kind of stuff. I mean, right. there's still a ton of therapists who don't know the Enneagram, which is insane to me because it's really yeah. out there. But yes. spacer type is, is right up there with it. Yeah. Um, so let, let's see what, what's first defined, what a me spacer is and a we spacer. Mm -hmm. If we don't feel our parents, feel what we're feeling while we're feeling it, and why we're feeling it, 80, 90% of our childhood, we've got unconscious wounds. Uh, this is the default state for all of us. We all enter all forms of relationality very far from our most authentic version of capacities of self. So a me spacer is a wound-based role just as much as a we spacer is a wound-based well, um, role that we play. A me spacer is created by most of the time another me spacer parent. Uh, parent. And, most, uh, not all. Um, I would. I'm yet to see an exception, but you know, is okay, the barn yeah. uh, red on the other side? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Heretofore, it is. Yeah, here. It will only be created by other me spacers. Yeah. I right. always think of that as like the vampire thing. You need a vampire yes. to create another vampire. Oh, beautiful, beautifully, beautiful, perfect metaphor because a me spacer child. Uh, the role of a me spacer is imbued into a child, male or female, by a me spacer parent who literally lives from, lives from their child. They eat uh, the, the the depth and innocence and and wonderfulness of um, their child unconsciously, because to make up for deficits they never healed before becoming a parent. And in other words, parenting, um, uh, which we uh, which we've alluded to many many times in this in podcast series, if you don't if you're not self emotively self self authenticated uh, before you are a parent, uh, you are going to do one of several things. You'll either live from your children, you or you will live through your children. Are the two um, ways to do that? That's what we say. Live through. Right. Yes. Yeah. A we spacer um, is someone who has been created by a parent who lived through them. Uh, tiger moms is the classic example of that. Uh, um, parents, uh, helicoptering parents who don't realize like uh, Olympic gymnast parents. Or I was say, when you said tiger, it made me think of Tiger Woods. He, he seems like a we spacer. His father lived very much through him and he's got the energetics of a we spacer. I never thought about him before, though. I would agree. A we um, three probably because he's very competitive. You know, um, and here and here, what <laughs> Joseph just did, second without even a second's consideration, uh, <laughs> he has mapped. Um, he's led the way. I have to say, he's led the way um, in 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 showing how the combination 
of a um, uh, an enneagram point and a spacer type just gets within 85 to 90 percent of the accuracy of what a person is going to do in relationship yeah i mean uh, calling him a we three that's quite advanced we sort of skipped way ahead we don't even define yes. the spacers yet but yeah so i will come back to that probably we have to keep going with defining them sure so thank you you bet. I, I'm a classic me spacer, eldest of the family. They tend to be the older in the family, but not always. Sometimes the younger. Yeah, also. I'm not, and I'm a me spacer. I'm the youngest. Right. One. Um, uh, both Joseph and I were uh, created me spacers by me spacers' mothers who fed off our soul juice, literally, mm -hmm. literally, and then made us pay mm -hmm. for doing that. Um, this is not that unusual. We're not that uh, unusual uh, sons that way with mothers who are, are uh, vampires that way. And of course, mothers uh, who, who vampire their sons or daughters are not evil and dark. They're just hurting, but yeah. they pass on the infection to the child because, and we'll use our examples of our mothers, which were very similar, mm -hmm. that by living from us, getting their value from us, and then treating us badly because their protections resent us for how our parent our mothers needed us mm -hmm. sets up uh, a whole that that kind of eating uh, uh that way or living from the child feels and must match the me spacer in this case mother in their solitude their 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 um what superman's um fortress of fortress solitude, solitude yeah um, uh, to protect against, uh, to minimize the being eaten from. Now, being eaten from by a mother, especially with a son, can be quite um, seductive. Um, you, you become uh, you mama's little man. You become her favorite. You become, uh, that's all on the plus side, which is at all times is the, is the minus side. Yeah. So a me spacer immediately has to um, uh, uh, armor themselves against the onslaught of being fed by the parent. Um, and, and that sets up how they will then relate to their intimate partner uh, much later, relate to their their passion path, and relate to uh, others in other um, less consequential uh, dynamics of relationality, but mostly with um, uh, intimate partners. That's because the, the mother... Cat-like dependency case. patterns and uh, yeah, fear of closeness and exactly. Uh, we we were um, we were mated when a mother lives from their sons and in, in our case, like uh, they did, uh, they mate with us. Yeah, and and we have to protect ourselves to retain some sense of ourselves that isn't stolen by the mother in that way, right? So. We'll get to some, some further characteristics here of me spacer. A we spacer is created by, by someone who, by parents who either neglect them, they don't get so close that they're very, they're far away, um, more further away, uh, absent parents, uh, father who works 12 hours a day and hardly sees the kids, whatever. Um, uh, the mother, though, who usually, um, uh, is home more than the father, at least in traditional, uh, and even today, uh, either way, it can work both ways. Um, a wee spacer um, parent will create a wee spacer child by 
They have the we spacer parent doesn't have that fortress of solitude. They don't define themselves relative to self first, other second. Me spacer itself first, other second. A we spacer are all the givers and the um, the enablers and the people who make other people's needs more important than their own. Yeah, you used to say uh, me spacers define themselves by how they judge other and we spacers define themselves by how others people judge them. Yes, exactly right. And a, a we spacer parent um, uh, can't connect. Uh, a me spacer parent toxically connects over connects and a wee spacer parent under connects so when a when a parent a child is conditioned to under connect to one or both parents um, what's going to happen is they're not going to have they're going to be so more tuned in to how others view them than how uh, uh, um, we uh, a me spacer views themselves first and secondarily others so me spacers have to learn how to include others intimately and uh, we spacers have to learn to much more so self-actuate uh, or self-authenticate uh, uh, before they can find themselves in themselves and not have it bleed over into the needs of their, of their partner. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's how that, a me spacer and we, we spacer because we comes first uh, uh -huh. and me spacer me comes first, right? So that's just the barest minimum of how that happens. But how to tell? Here's where it, that's where it gets fun. Yeah, yeah, it gets a little bit of fun. Yeah, a me spacer uh, uh, defines self by how they feel about others, uh, mm -hmm. like we said. And another way of saying what Joseph just said is, uh, we spacer defines self by how by how others feel about them. Me spacers energetically fuse with their partners, but emotionally distance. Mm -hmm. They have to emotionally distance because the last time they were close, they got massacred. Uh, they they got lived from. They got eaten. They got vampired. Right? Yeah. So it's not like me spacers don't do codependence. They just don't do it emotionally. They do it energetically. I exactly. certainly did that early on. They um, yes, they tend to be uh, that energetic. Um, me spacers tend to be controlling. Um, yeah. If you're a me spacer eight. Forget about it. Um, divorce this person right away. They're never going to. Um, that's a joke, of course. Um, uh, an eight uh, added to a me spacer is a big nut to crack. Let's yeah, just say it that way. Sure. Um, um, if you're an, 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 a me spacer two, well, you've got some room there. In a me spacer nine, you've got some. But room the nice there. thing about me spacer eights is that it's all right there on the table. There's not much hidden. Yeah. At least yeah, it's, it's tangible. Exactly right. Um, now the we spacer, and this bears a little bit more uh, words. A, a, a we spacer emotionally fuses and energetically distances. That's the dog-like dependency patterns, where they're emotionally very in. Yes, I don't want to jump they, ahead. They, they they emotionally fuse because they don't have an emotive sense of being in themselves. They're too busy worrying about how other people view them. So uh -huh. they're they they're going. Like they merge, mm -hmm. right? But they're what they're going to do emotionally, and mm -hmm. uh, so they're in, they're in. But but they also have an unconscious. Uh, they're also loners in that way. They they don't let themselves get very close. You'd have to have a being in here first before you can be close to yeah, another. You used to have this metaphor of the the me spacer's house. There's ten foot walls around the house, 
and the Wee uh, Spacer's house has no walls, but you get you go in the house and there's no one there because they're in tunnels twenty feet underground. Say that again more slowly for, <laughs> so people can take that in. The Mie Spacer house has got ten foot concrete walls around the whole thing, but if you can get through the walls, then you can find them. And the Wee Spacer looks far more approachable. There's no walls. You can walk right into the house, but they're not there because they're buried underground. Yes. Beautiful. Um, best that I, I haven't thought of that metaphor in years. So thank <laughs> you you. Forgot this is what's, what's really great. Uh, having I can remind you of you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So the summation here is that a Mie Spacer has a self-centering form of self, mm. but is bordered off from others. Whereas a wee spacer has a network form of self. Oh yeah, the network thing. As yeah. it lives within others, it doesn't have its own. Uh, wee spacer doesn't have their own being, and a wee spacer has too much of their own being. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, a wee spacer loves others, but doesn't really know how to care. Mm-hmm. And a wee spacer really knows how to care for others but doesn't really know what love means with others. Um, This is a tricky one because love and care tend to be synonymous, but they're not. Love is, is, um, uh, at least perceptually to the person who's loving in a me spacer, is, 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 is you jump in naked as much as naked means to you. Um, you don't dip your toe in. You're just in. You're just in because you're looking for uh, uh, some uh, a partner who's not going to eat you. But you were so sucked in, so sucked into the the, the me spacer parent who fed from you. That's an insane closeness that requires all that armoring to live with. So you're going to want to get close fast uh, energetically. Uh-huh. Um, uh, you see, mm-hmm. and so. That's going to be jumping all the way. Come on, come on. You're going to be the initiator. But um, me spaces are initiators as a yang form of wound based role, relationality role. And we spaces are a yin version. Uh, But wounded yang and wounded yin. But there you can still apply those labels to it. Right. So, um, but uh, a, a, a we spacer. All they've done all their lives is serve other people's needs or worry about what other person needs because they don't know really know what they need. We, me spacer will tell you right up front what they need. In fact, they'll demand uh, you provide it to them. <laughs> Whereas a we spacer doesn't know what their 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 needs are, and they try, tend to discover them by being in relationship with me spacers. Yeah. <laughs> so so in this sense, um, uh, virtually all cisgender. Virtually all cisgender relationships is our me spacers and we spacers uh, in, in, in relationship. The, uh, and when you're wounded in a cisgender form, uh, a me spacer is always going to be attracted to a we spacer and a we spacer is always going to be attracted to the me spacer for, for some obvious. Yeah, and that's really interesting because it doesn't, it's like l- literally the um, same spacer type just doesn't seem attractive to you. No. No, and, and I was definitely there. I, uh, you know, I'd have to like go through the list of people I've been, but I just was not as a me spacer. I was not attracted to other me spacers because I couldn't control them. Mm-hmm. Basically, I think it would be the summation of it. But you don't think that you're just like, oh, oh. I'm not interested in them. 
right. and uh, now I am with a me spacer. I've been with, with a few, and it's like so night and day difference. And that's such a cool um, testament to the power of the the work that you created because it it changes you so deeply that suddenly this whole other half of the population that you were totally uninterested in becomes interesting because they're yeah. more like you, and you don't. Yeah, it's not. It's less codependent. It's really a really good point. The me spacer is going to attract, be attracted to we spacers because, well, they can bully them, basically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, put to put a fine point on. They're it. not a threat. No, no. and, and uh, to the dominion uh, of the the castle that the me spacer had to build uh, to protect themselves from the vampiring parent, mm -hmm. um, and and a we spacer is sort of lost inside. And is attracted to the dynamisms and the initiation and the solid, the more solidness, how solidness uh, read out as I'm making noise now on the table. Uh -huh. That's the iron around the walls uh, that the walls are made of. Yeah. The substantiveness of a me spacer, the determinate, the determined, and they manifest usually. And we spacers sort of yin their way to manifestation spirally whereas me spacers tend to go in straight lines and this is yeah. where we have the opposites attract type stuff yes and the um the, this is my other half because yes. literally in me and we me and we spacer couples the the we spacers doing the emotion for the me spacer and the me spacer yeah. is doing the energetics the manifestation type stuff for the we spacer and they exactly. do form a whole together but that's the definition of codependence the most um uh, succinct and unavoidable definition of codependence me spacer we spacer relationality is the quintessent uh, um, uh, 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 expression of codependency, and it's not just men. Men in the old days, with with the roles of the with the patriarchy in charge, almost always the men were me spacers and the women were we spacers. Uh, the woman in the kitchen, the passive, the one that holds everything together, the one who remembers all the anniversaries and uh, all the, <laughs> the, the birthdays and remembers uh, the dates. Oh man, yes. yeah. Uh, now the, and but it doesn't mean that now um, the vast majority of feminists, uh, which are you know at least forty to fifty percent of women out there, are have been feministically conditioned. Sure, they're the me spacers now, and they're attracted we spacer men, softer, less defined men, men who live in the shadow of the uh, well, the woman's career or power or energy. Um, in the same way women used to live in the shadow of men's. Um, and so Bree and I will be walking down the street um, and uh, I you'll see a blatant uh, me spacer woman uh, and, a, and a completely passive, uh, softer man. Uh, you can read it out very easily. And I'll say, Bree, whoa. Uh, who's the we spacer and who's the me spacer? And she, mm -hmm. she goes, yeah, right. You know, as <laughs> if, how can you not tell, right? Mm -hmm. And so remember, these are wound-based roles that have never been articulated in this dimension in any other um, psychological or spiritual paradigm. And without it, you really have to cast about to find out how to solve certain um, uh, uh, truculent kinds of struggles that happen between me spaces and we spaces. If you don't see which one is who, you won't realize how differently the me spacer processes reality yeah. from the me we spacer, yeah. right? 
And so it's going to get all confused about um, well, what, what we got to we've got to we've got to compromise here because boy, never the twain is going to meet here. Mm-hmm. That's classic me spacer we spacer. So mm-hmm. a couple more things about about the characteristics as, as Joseph so um, delicately put it. Uh, um, me spacers are are more young like and they have more independent cat like cats. They're more like cats. Uh, yeah, yeah. I want to rub against you when I decide I want to rub against you. Yes, right. Um, uh, they're they're more independent and less vulnerable in that way. Whereas we spaces are more like dogs, uh, who are are constantly um, wanting to give something to you, and uh, need love and assurance and loyalty. Uh, or they will give loyalty in return for love and have difficulty taking it in. Right? If you start petting a dog a lot, they will just start licking you because they yes. like, they they'd rather be giving than receiving in some ways. Exactly, exactly right. I heard a comedian. No, no. Uh, I heard a female comedian once say, "Men want someone really, really, really close to them to leave them alone." but more accurately which is is great but but more accurately it's about me spacers yeah correct yes yeah Uh, that's what we're men have been conditioned to be me spacers uh and uh and some of some people some men of course resist that and get all confused but uh that's actually a me spacer characteristic Mm -hmm. um a uh, uh a me spacer acts or controls actively acts or controls to get their needs met uh-huh. whereas we spacers um, react react and manipulate to get their needs met uh, that's not a hard and fast rule but that's a pretty good um uh that's gray and beige rather than black and white i love uh, how manipulation is like the yin form of control it's a really correct. cool distinction exactly right and we we can map those kinds of uh, territories um, me spacers tend to be enti- have to entitlement, and um, we spacers tend to be caretakers, uh, caretaking uh, uh, activities. Um, the the me spacer is constantly needing to be understood, and the me we spacer is constantly needing to be connected up. Another easy way to uh, to distinguish. Yeah, that need to be understood is really interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It really, it's almost always there because they had to battle um, a, a, a parent who was eating them soulfully, literally. Um, me spacers uh, crave relationship with people who get them, and we, and we spacers crave relationship with those who cherish them. Uh, uh, that's a big one for me spacers. We 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 by default want to want to be um, get understood. We want oh, it's energetic. They, it's, they want to transact at the level of energetic rather than emotion. Exactly. And uh, when a me spacer uh, wants to be doing um, uh, distancings, they do or they do judgment and distancing behaviors, fusion reactions. They get stuck to distancing and judging, whereas we spacers tend to. Um, uh, fused to forgiveness and melting into the other to make everything okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, a another way to say it is that a um, a me spacer has learned to expand to dominate, and a we spacer has learned to shrink to fit. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are really really um, uh, succinct. So that that's me spacers and we spacers. And the last point to make about it is um, identity's personal work, um, emotional um, uh, em- emotional body and soulment. EBE uh, um, helps create I space, not me space or we space, but I space. When you become emotively self-authenticated, you have your seat of being 
you've healed away your me spacer role or your uh, uh, we spacer role. And in pretty funny uh, uh, poetic justice, a me spacer who has healed enough of their me spacer to achieve or attain a minimum of I space to their being is more like a we spacer and a we spacer who self-authenticates, they gravitate toward being more like a me spacer. They, they both, and they can meet in the middle that way if both of them do this, uh, uh, do their internal self-authentication work. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't become me spacers and we spacers. I spaces, remember me and we uh, spacer uh, uh, characteristics or roles are, are, are 100% wound-based. Uh, they take advantage of our soul strengths and twist them and contort them into the wound-based uh, expression. Well, maybe as a transition into non-cisgender stuff, um, I believe it used to be, uh, we used to talk about the principle that uh, homosexual couples tend to be we-to-we we or me-to-me. Um I think that's been my experience. I don't know very many of them. And if is that the case, and why would that be? Well, um, what one what becomes much more of a dice roll. Uh, it's uh-huh. really predictable with cisgender, but in non-cisgender people, let's say, let's talk about non-cisgender people, L, um, uh, LGBTQ, whatever uh, category you'd like to throw in there. Um, there's a couple more after Q that I can't keep up with. Yeah, there's but, two more letters they're using these days. I yeah. and T, I think, or I don't know. Some, something. I, I'm an old guy. I, I have limits these days. <laughs> I, um, but at any rate, um, when we talk about cisgender, we're talking about an ideal I-space configuration as our as our rubric or as our calibrator. Two-thirds yang, one-third yin in the man, two-thirds yin, one-third yang in the woman, uh, in the in, in female women. So that that's what that happens in cisgender people who authentic, authenticate emotively and create I-space. That's the rubric. That's, that's just a standard that is really helpful in most cisgender relationships. But all that goes out the window with non-cisgender um, because uh, uh, um, uh, a young man in a childhood home that uh, has a me-spacer father who beats uh, his we-spacer mother, and she, she goes along with it, uh, um, uh, is not is may have two possibilities. He, if he's close to the father and admires the father, he could be me spacerized by him. But if he's compassionate toward the mother, but he's a man, he's going to wind up being confused in some way. He uh, he can't trust. He can't. His, his mother is a punching bag, but she's more sensitive and caring, and the father is more manly, but he's a brutal, brutalizing and controlling. So. Uh, it's possible that a soul coming in shows those parents to activate um, uh, more of a, a um, non-two-thirds uh, uh, yang, one-third yin orientation to maybe two-thirds, uh, 50 yin, 50 yang, or 65 or 75 yin and 25 yang if it's a really awful father. Mm-hmm. Um, in other mm-hmm. words, um, this, this is the hardest thing to say with compassion, love, and respect, but um, non-cisgender orientations can be produced by 
uh, uh, emotional body wounds inflicted in childhood. That is not exclusively the case. Mm -hmm. There are genetics involved, and there are there's both nature and nurture and soul choices. And, soul choices, and um, the same way cisgender uh, orientations yes. can be wound based. So exactly right. Um, so we're not saying cisgender is better. We're saying older souls tend to incarnate in cisgender forms because they've been around the circus, so let's mm -hmm. say, in just about every role on the LGBTQ rainbow um, in the past, one way or another, overtly or covertly. And they've come around to realize that um, in some way, divinity made, made us in a certain way, but that isn't a superior or religious um, call to the to, to pathologize any sort of um, uh, uh, yin-yang configuration in people. It's just that you really get a lot of bristling from non-cisgender people that their orientation or identification, there's a difference, orientation yep. and identification, um, comes from childhood woundings at all. They will fight you tooth and nail on that. I was born this way. Well, yeah, you, it certainly feels like you were born that way, and you certainly do, and it's very clear to see in some non-cisgender people, genetics. It's really easy to see the genetical genetic inheritance. It's a little more, it takes a little different set of eyes to see the uh, um, the nurture side, the, the the pathology in childhood that helps shape their, their gender orientation and their gender identification. Mm -hmm. So... Anyone, anytime, and, and the, I understand um, uh, uh, non-cisgender people, they've been brutalized, uh, um, uh, homogenized, um, uh, um, judged, and, uh, and beaten, and sometimes killed for their yeah. gender identification. So, of course, they're going to bristle at anything that doesn't make them a hero to themselves if they come out. Yeah. They've got to... They've got to push down a lot to come out as a hero for themselves because of this the societal pathologies sure so so please hear this in that context if you if any if you bristle then if any non-cisgender person just bristled out there i'm so sorry but it's just a fact and it can be validated by any good therapist that that um uh our how we are raised in childhood can affect our gender identifications and our gender orientations. It doesn't mean it's definitive anymore. The gender or the genetics are definitive. It's one of those places where we're not very good as a, a society yet to mapping the contributions of genetics and uh, and uh, uh, eugen uh, not eugenics uh, edenics. Uh, yeah, it just it makes motives. me think of uh, I listened to it was a This American Life episode, the radio show years ago. I was listening to, and it was about. Um, to, I think they were like eight-year-olds. I think they were both girls who wanted to identify as boys. And, at, you know, given that This American Life is a very liberal, uh, progressive program, the frame for the whole thing was um, very supportive of the idea. And it was like the whole time I was like, hmm, where's this going to go? I'm listening to it. This is kind of interesting. And at one point they were interviewing one of the mothers, and the mother said, um, so I get the genders right here in my head. They, they were both girls who wanted to be boys. And the mother said, you know, we already had, it was something like, we already had two girls. So the whole time when I was pregnant, I was just praying that it would be a boy. Every day I would pray that it would be a boy. And I would just, and I was waiting for the journalist to be like, put two and two together here. <laughs> like, is it possible that some of that went in the, into your unborn child? And now that the, and that was a wound, I was shocked. 
Yeah, and of course the, jur- the journalist didn't pick up. on No, that. didn't say no. anything. Maybe See, they, and, I don't know if they picked it up. They certainly didn't say anything. Well, here, right here, Joseph, that was a great example. This is where the missing first piece, mating with your own divinity, uh, 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 gives you um, vision um, and access to domains of consciousness that are not available in other uh, domains. Uh, a standard psychologist is not going to um, uh, uh, um, really admit deeply that how the mother thinks about the child or whether or not the father uh, in many cases or in some cases doesn't want the child and the relationship that goes into the child also we are conditioned the moment the moment the moment we uh, are conceived conditioning Mm -hmm. begins and that's that's a domain that's unmapped by virtually all um, uh, orientations uh, or not mapped adequately so yeah, yes, they reduce it to mind, will, and energy. So it's like, well, if the mother never said X, Y, and Z, then why would right. you all know? It went into you precisely because she didn't say it. Yeah, you know, she she felt it. Mm-hmm. This is the this is the thing we can't we cannot overemphasize the emotive first, energy second, men, uh, mental third, physical fourth. Uh, will sorry, will after uh, emotion energy will mind and body in that descending sequence of essence Uh, unless you orient that way you're going to be hugely confused about how to diagnose and treat virtually every form of wound Um, so uh, in that sense back to your your question here um, uh, me spaces and we spaces and cisgender tend to call each other to be their other half Uh, whereas Uh. um, non-cisgenders are so vilified so vilified by their societies, the religions, by their families in a lot of cases, they're drawn to the similar person with a similar space or the same spacer because you process reality the same way uh-huh. resonantly. And that gives it, it's, 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 well, in, um, uh, uh, in me spacer, um, cisgender, it's uh, one plus one equals uh, two. But in non-cisgender, it's one plus one equals one. Is another uh, way to uh-huh. say this. They, they, um, uh, the the non-cisgender tend to need allies in intimacy because they, mm-hmm. it's so hard to hold their truth that I'm goddamn, I'm just not cisgender. And so, and and they and they whether whether it's from conditioning by the ch- wounds in childhood or genetics. They need that other uh, intimate support of uh, because me spacers process reality differently than we spacers. And when you've got the same spacer, you're augmenting each other that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also many times in, in, uh, in gay and lesbian uh, couples, it's so clear to see um, how often they choose partners who look like them. Uh huh. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. always. More men than women mm-hmm. tend and partners that have a little more in the long term hookups uh, uh, out of out of a Tinder or Grinder um, uh, tend to look for each other to find an idealized version of the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's going to be in the similar ballpark. Um, so uh, this is another interesting thing that you find. But again, uh, whether or not. whether you're cisgender or non-cisgender in any category, codependence is just as rife in your non-cisgender orientation as it is in a cisgender. So, but because 
uh, non-cisgender orientations have been so vilified, uh, they tend to not want to hear that uh, anything about codependence. They're just glad to have found someone to share their life with or to share one night with or to share a body with, but not their mm -hmm. heart whatever form that is. There's plenty of cisgenders who do the same thing. They just want to share their bodies and not their hearts. Mm -hmm. So there's no uh, extra um, negativity at all in identity toward any sort of um, relationship other than cisgender, except for other species mating. Um, we, we, um, we find that difficult to, um, to, to justify when you know, you marry a pig or uh, a man is known to keep a cow around for that reason and, and see <laughs> single. Uh, a trans trans uh, species uh, mating is, um, well, it's just not in the Frowned cards. upon by the divine. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say, divine, I think we said it before, divine being uh, um, uh, doesn't care uh, um, so much where we put where, our Where, but why? But why? But it does draw, it does scratch the head. It doesn't have uh, it species, interspecies uh, mating stuff. Um, it just, okay, um, okay, but, but, <laughs> so. I have, I have a question. What What's going on at the level of me and we, or, and, or yin or yang, for example, when you have like a, uh, a the butch lesbian with the lipstick lesbian, you know, you've got the very yang woman with the very yin woman, uh, mm -hmm. it, it happens in uh, men as well, but I think more common with women from at least in my own observation. What's going on there? Well, um, we have to make a distinction between um, hookups, uh, which uh, men tend to do more, mm -hmm. uh, 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 gay men, uh, the bar scene. Um, it's all about the penis and uh, idealization and projection and, um, and getting off, whereas women tend to be a little less that way, but they've gotten more and more. Um, well, if men can do it, we can um, look sure. for our hookups too. So your question is really, um, really is only answerable in the, in the context of, of a, a, lo a longer term yeah. relationship. Yeah. Right. And that's important to make uh, because once you start cooking uh, the ingredients, putting the <laughs> ingredients together to cook a relationship, then um, uh, uh, the roles of spacerness can apply. You can get a me spacer woman, which we would indelicately call but butchie, and a we spacer woman who uh, her partner, a woman uh, who's a lipstick version. Um, and that can that that can happen, uh, and then in that case, most of the cases that way, it's not going to be a long-term relationship um, as much as, and it's they're both the same spacer, so it's it's not doesn't cut out, it doesn't um, segment so easily. Um, I've seen uh, butch and butch and butch lipstick and lipstick. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I've seen occasionally butch and lipstick. But they tend not to be the long-term relationships. Oh yeah, the long-term oh, relationships. Ones who are looking the for hookups. themselves. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So again, it's not a hard and fast um, um, uh, grid work lay, uh, uh, laid over human behavior. This me spacer, we spacer, but it's hugely informative in the majority of cases to have at least an insight into what's going on in the way two people relate in intimacy. And would you say, like in homosexual couples, that the the tendency for there to be um, uh, one partner with more of a yang expression and the other with more of a yin is that happening because of just the 
inherent truth of yin and yang in reality? And what, how, why is that happening? I, this question, this is a question I ask myself mercilessly <laughs> for about 20 years before I got a satisfactory answer. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's the right question because I have yet to see, I have yet to see um, a, a same gender relationship that doesn't also uh, exhibit yang and yin differential. Yeah, polarity. Yeah, that, that always that shows up. To me, after a long life of knowing many couples, I've, uh, I've never been um, uh, homophobic or transphobic or no phobia about any any orientation. Um, but I've not seen an exception. There's a, the, look at the, what was that series with Jane Fonda and um, um, uh, oh the dark haired comic uh, Lily Tomlin. Uh, they, they 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 have many seasons, many seven years a series where they they play um, oh yeah yeah best, yeah, yeah. best friends, uh-huh. but they their former husbands were were gay. Right, and, right, right. Yeah, and and that gay relationship uh, in that series is beautifully dis- beautifully shows the yang yin um, differential, and I've I've yet not to see one in same gender relationships. There's always uh, a one who yangifies more than yinifies, and the other one yinifies more than yangifies. It may not be as clear cut as in cisgender because they've got the, the mm-hmm. orientations to that back also it up. seems to be the case with identical twins. There's, you know, they have that phrase the dominant twin. There seems to be a yin yang thing that happens in identical twins as well. To me, all of that experience shows uh, an almost irrefutable um, working assumption that yang and yin are far more um, essential uh, um, structural relationships to consciousness. Uh-huh. Than they are than they are learned. The form and expression of yang and yin can be conditioned, but the essence of yang and yin um, uh, is structural. It's more. It's a deeper soul orientation. Mm-hmm. So um, this is a, a difficult thing to um, deconstruct philosophically. You've got to have um, access to divinities, um, greater storehouses, a uh, storehouse of um, information to be able to make some peace with this. But it mm-hmm. is observ- ob- observationally relevant. Mm-hmm. And um, the longer term relationships tend to have one young partner who's a little more young or a lot more young, and one is a little more or a lot more yin. Um, when it comes to trans now, that's a that's a still an emerging kind of thing. And be- yeah. everything becomes even muddier. Because you can, as someone in the news recently showed, you can condition a five-year-old, a parent can condition a five-year-old, even though they've got a, um, a, a, a vagina or a boy who's got a penis, that if you want to be called she and you want to be called he, that's okay. We can, we can do that. Um, and they, they can support uh, that in a child. And it's, it, it can have varying effects of malconditioning or supportive conditioning, sure. depending on what's what's going on. And all of this that we said, this, this is all the downstream form and expressions. As Joseph uh, um, um, talked about earlier, we choose. Mm-hmm. We choose to be male or female. We choose to bring in yin or yang dynamics into any one lifetime. To um, to learn our lessons, so it's it's not just conditioning versus genes. The genes and the conditioning, because we choose our parents too, 
is all rolled up in what we've decided to bring into this world. A lot of the children um, that are are, 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 are are being supported to or, uh, orient to their gender uh, differently than resonate with the gender they were born with, if, if it's definitive, um, uh, these children have come, have decided to bring aspects of their yin and yang uh, soul experience in the past that were horribly uh, wounded. And so they may, may choose to incarnate and go the whole trans, trans uh, uh, route to say to themselves, I'm worthy. However I feel I am, I am worthy. And if it turns out that it's this sex change operation or augmentation, whatever it is, these are not to be um, seen as just contributed by uh, nurture or, or physical nature. The soul chose. You know how much courage it takes a soul uh, 200 years ago or in ancient, in ancient uh, Greece, uh, not so much in ancient Greece, I'm sorry, but... <laughs> Um, to come out as gay, uh, a man, to uh, when when in, inside of a patriarchal worldview that dominated the world, so um, these are courageous souls who incarnate, say incarnate and say, I want to maximize my yin capacities of soul that have nothing to do with genetics and nothing to do with conditioning, but you will choose parents who will support that that incarnational imperative to cultivate more yin in a man and more yang in a woman, whatever it is. Um, so all the, cis, all the non-cisgender playouts have a spiritual root, but psychology and most spiritual, uh, some new age says we choose our parents and we choose what, what kind of issues we want to work. But look what issues, Joseph, non-cisgender people is now non-trans gay and 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 le uh, lesbian have gotten in the last 30 40 years a lot more societal acceptance but now the all the all the excoriation and vilification goes to trans and all the confusion these are amazingly courageous souls who, yeah, are, willing, sure. who are who are willing to buck the 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 um the conditioning um and find their own way but here's the here's and here's a cr critical point on the other side. Just because we're conditioned to be cisgender doesn't make cisgender uh, uh, um, uh, wrong or malconditioning, right. um, because of the innate yin yin yang capacities that all souls have in whatever combination they want to be they want to bring in uh, in any one lifetime. So this whole idea of um, of a romantic uh, relationship that involves sex um, recapitulates childhood closeness issues and the degree to which you did not get your emotional needs met as a child you're going to need you're going to project those onto adult partners that's this that's the bottom line on it our parents become our partners in some direct way and that that has sort of fallen off a little bit in the last 20 or 30 years in psychotherapeutic um, uh, uh, orientations to sort of de-stress to that, but e e identity comes in with uh, the full band, the full orchestra uh, <laughs> support, supporting that um, we choose um, uh, uh, partners uh, because of the way we were treated by our parents. That's just a sine qua non, uh, an easily verifiable truth if you learn to look with your heart eyes as well as your physical eyes. Well, I think that's a good place to close. That that was a mouthful. It, um, yeah, it changes everything, in, in my yeah. experience, to look at relationality in this way. And uh, 
I've looked at it a bunch of different ways. And um, it's, there's an, an increasing um, appreciation for what we have to learn from each other uh, in lots of different paradigms uh, in the modern era. But I, I don't know of a paradigm that gets uh, as um, exacting as identity does in really ferreting out every single thing that can be learned. But there's a lot of good stuff out there. The Enneagram, there's attachment theory, which works on uh, this kind of stuff pretty well. But um, mm-hmm. I, I, there's, there's definitely a trend in the world and in consciousness of what are we, what are we learning from being together and uh, going against the old uh, happily ever after story that all of us were fed. You bet. But you know, what you just said is so uh, uh, heartfully there, Joseph. That was heartfully? It was <laughs> very heartful. It, it felt was. sober. I wouldn't say heartful, but okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let, let's give people a hard and fast rubber meets the road thing, and then we can close here. It's very simple, straightforward. What can I do to help myself learn more about what intimacy is, what healthy intimacy is, mm. at the same time learn about myself? in intimate relationships That's sexual a good question very simple um every time the thought or a feeling surges to your consciousness um that starts with you uh, to your partner, you messages uh, you messages other. uh uh you you know you're on you're on your protection your defenses track mm-hmm. everyone that starts with i but this is tricky because that can be narcissistic too but let's give a little yeah better. like i need you to right. <laughs> yes <laughs> that's narcissism so yeah. let's let's qualify that that was a little too simplistic um the the way the 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 one structural insight that can really help get real stuff moving is if you say whatever it is about the other partner whatever it is that is driving you crazy makes you angry makes you upset, makes you feel like you're not understood, makes you feel like you're underappreciated. Whatever the thing is wrong with the other, identity offers in all of its its uh, uh, um, group and um, couple counseling uh, modalities. Why did I draw a person who makes me feel this way? Mm-hmm. Why did I draw this to me? This always keeps you on your side of the transaction instead of complaining as a victim of the other person's orientation what 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 is it why did i draw this and this, this quality and this quality and this quality at the same time this other the on the other side this this, this is the relationship i belong in this is this is my, a person that uh, i want to spend um, uh, as many waking moments as i want to and yet they drive me crazy in these other ways there's the moment where identity steps in and says, we can help with that. Mm-hmm. Why did we draw that? Why did I draw that? Almost always, almost always, you'll be able to get a fairly direct answer through analysis of how the me spacer, we spacer factor is flowing yeah. or not flowing in the relationship. And with a read, which identity has plenty of people who have uh, who can do a read and tell you why uh, from this life or past life, you drew that person with that quality to just get under your fingernails and not not give up and, and causes you suffering. That one thing that, that most couple counseling doesn't do 
it tries to ameliorate and, and yeah. compromise behave your way to new changes, medicate your way to new changes. Um, why did I draw this? That opens up a domain that has so much pregnant information for why the relationship is having difficulty at this time. And it helps to bring our leading edge orientation of consciousness forward, whereas playing victim to the other person's. Well, um, yeah. Because if you don't if you don't have a frame for why you're with them in the hard ways, then you automatically end up playing victim. You you just can't not uh, instead of remembering, you know, uh, that uh, the all the things that drive you crazy. Those are uh, usually related to one or both of your parents. And that's what you're there to feel all over again and discover that it won't kill you so that you can complete your childhood. Uh, And with that frame, it makes it far more tolerable uh, and even desirable, you know, like, can you imagine thanking your partner for having some of the negative qualities of one of your parents um, Mm. uh, so that you can work that out Uh, in the really difficult moments? See if you can find that, that level of gratitude. (laughs) Thank you so much for making me absolutely batshit crazy. (laughs) That's exactly right. and it's just, I got to say one more thing relative to what you said yeah. um, earlier was beautiful. Um, interestingly, me spacer, we spacer, cisgender relationships tend to be um, non soulmates. Uh huh. Yeah, I was thinking about talking about this. Yeah. Uh, when you draw a soulmate, finally, you're drawing you're drawing a mirror image of you in the reverse. And this is, soulmates almost always, like non-cisgender, uh, have the same um, gender or the same um, uh, spacer orientation. Uh, uh, interestingly enough, uh, the four, I've had four important relationships in my life that lasted three years um, or more. Um, and each one of them was a me spacer for me. Really? I, lined, I lined it up. Uh, so crazily that way, not even one was a we spacer. Um, the women were all me spacers. They all were solid me spacers uh, or softer me spacers, mm-hmm. but me spacers nonetheless. Um, so I, because I was looking for a mate since I was um, uh, 15 years old, I, I was drawn to me spacers without knowing that that's mm. The case, I, from, I would guess would be that that's unusual. Yeah, it's, it's I, I had a we. Yeah, I started with a we, a softer, or yeah, a we, a harder we, uh, then a me, and then uh, I don't know, then my soulmate me. <laughs> yes. But yeah, I've done so, both, and I definitely so, would not have been with a we spacer earlier on. No way. Uh, exactly right. Yes. Uh, uh, me spacer uh, earlier on, not, not wouldn't have gone me to me. But when you when you draw when you want to draw a train wreck made in heaven, you're going to draw the same spacer. That's just the way it is. Yeah, uh, and because what you find is it's like the the by comparison, um, you know, I had a lot of my defenses had a lot of control over the wee spacer I was with for those yeah. first six years. But you know, looking back, it's like wow, we process reality quite differently. Yeah. Uh, and um, you know, that's what a soulmate is: is someone who you process reality with very very similarly and the spacer type can't be different if you're going to do that oh exactly right uh the clashes of your wounds are going to be severe enough you've got to have resonant value systems so let that makes a final point that's Mm -hmm. really important that in identity's point of view 
you've got to have resonant value systems, mm -hmm. which means you process reality in resonant ways. Me spacers and we spacers process reality in opposite ways. There's limits to how close they can get. But you've got um, uh, value system resonance is the linchpin of all relationality, whether it's mm -hmm. friendship or involves sexuality. Maybe you both um, just uh, um, uh, value value systems that like anal sex. Okay, if that's that's a resonant value system there, or or you like this or you like that. Um, we don't look uh, as as acceptingly in terms of pathology uh, to. BDSM type stuff in identity. Um, you, there, the wounds are definitively showing, and uh, there's no way to ignore them. Whereas in other non-BDSM uh, flavored relationships, the wounds are more hidden, but they're uh -huh. still there. And so that's the there's an analog too there um, about the resonant value systems. You see this uh, in the Enneagram with with people a lot. Um, couples in Enneagrams, it's really remarkable how often they're at least in the same triad that's two three four five six seven or eight nine one and right. very often adjacent numbers so that they're sharing wings or yes. if they're not uh the third possibility is that they'll be on the same uh disintegration integration triangle so yes uh, yeah, yeah a three with a nine but most of the yeah. time you know um my, my i'm a three with a four wing my girlfriend is a two with a three, um, usually you see, um, because the triads are a way, it, it, there's a value system, there's a way of processing reality in the triad. So it seems exactly. like three quarters of the time you see people at least in the same triad, at least on uh -huh. one primary type sure. for the wing. So it's not, so I just want to say this is not, this is an intuitive intrinsic thing. It's not just the identity's opinion about stuff. This is already happening. Exactly right. We just uh, cast it a little differently with an emotional for emotive yeah. emotivity first uh, orientation. Yeah, but uh, so, you know, a lot of what people I'm sure are missing that, but don't even realize it that they're in a me we configuration and there's something missing for them, and that what they don't realize is that they actually want to be me me or we we because yeah. there's some fundamental way in which they they don't pro they don't share a value system with their partner. Right. But the codependence needs them to be different in that way for the reasons we talked about before. Beautifully, yeah. Beautifully articulated, yes. Interesting. To okay. Out. Yeah. I think, I think I need a break from this topic. We've had five or six of these. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I feel it too. Let's, let's leave it. I don't know what's I, next, but we'll find it. Well, I'd like you to... Um, yeah, I'd like to offer and just let, maybe you, you can uh, commiserate with me on this. Uh, it's the eternal question. What is, how does identity answer the question, this, the question that asks, does everything that, is everything that happens meant to happen? Oh, I love it. How about yes. that? Um, this is one that's got so many rabbit holes to it. Um, I thought, I hear it a lot, uh, especially when you have a spiritual point of view. Mm -hmm. When you're incorporating destiny and incarnational imperatives and choices of parents and choices of souls to be your partners or not your partners, um, does everything that happens, was it supposed to happen? Was it meant to happen? How does the system work that way? And related to that is destiny versus free will and a couple other ancillary topics. So I'd like to chew on that one with you next time. I love that question. I think about that one a lot. And I definitely don't have uh, a, a, a resolved answer. So I look forward to it. Okay. 
Wonderful. Thanks so much, Stace. You're so welcome. See you next time. Yeah, all right. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul podcast. To learn more about Stace Barron and Identity, please visit identity.org. To learn more about Joseph Shapiro, visit clearandopen.com. Until next time, we wish you well on your journey.